life of freedom and adventure? Are you wanting more than the daily grind? Me too. Welcome to The Emma Lovell Show, a place where we talk about living a life you love now. I'm your host, Emma Lovell, and my number one value is freedom. I've spent the last 14 years running a business and traveling the world, and now I take my husband and toddler along for the adventure too. It's possible and I know you can create a life doing what you truly love as well. This podcast will inspire, motivate, and encourage you to go after your dreams, to create a life you love and to live it now, not wait for retirement or someday in the future. I'll be sharing episodes weekly about how I harmonize business, travel, and self-care. I'll also bring on incredible guests to share their journeys, the wins, the challenges, and how they're creating a life they love. Let's jump in and get dreaming. This is a space for you to manifest a life you love. I would like to acknowledge and recognize Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first peoples of this place, now known as Australia. I am grateful for the continuing care of the land, waterways and skies where I work, live, listen, learn and play. From here on Yugan Bear Country and from wherever you are listening, I pay my respects to the elders past and present. Hello and welcome to this episode with the incredible Valerie Koo. I am so excited for this episode because Valerie has been a mentor for me and also I'm a bit of a fangirl. Uh, I have admired her work for many years and I can't wait to share her with you. So indulge me with this one. Valerie is CEO of the Australian Writers Centre. She is also an artist who paints large-scale floral artworks. She hosts the top-rating podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer, and is author of several books, including Power Stories, the eight stories you must tell to build an epic business. So many gems in this, so many pearls of wisdom. Let's get stuck in. Please welcome Valerie Koo. Welcome to the podcast, Valerie Koo. I'm so excited to be here, Emma. Thank you for having me. Now, I love to ask a simple question to get started. You know, just light. Let's start light. In your words, who are you? Oh, my goodness. That's pretty deep. It's not very light. Well, (laughs) uh, I am Valerie Koo and I am a number of different things. I'm a mum to furry baby. I'm CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre. I'm a Bon Jovi tragic. I'm a visual artist where I specialise in painting. And I'm also a surface pattern designer, meaning I design patterns for things like wallpaper and fabrics. Also, sometimes I'm an author and a mentor. (laughs) I love it. Every time I see you or hear from you, you're doing something else. And I Love it. And it gives me hope because I just think people get told you're supposed to like niche down and do one thing. And that just hurts my heart. Yes. I love hearing you talk about the many things. I was always told that too. And then, oh, a really long time ago, more than 20 years ago, there was a article in Fast Company, or I can't even remember which magazine, that talked about the concept of having a portfolio career. 
And I immediately resonated with that. And I just thought that that was such a a great idea where you can have a career that has many portfolios. So you might be a musician part of the time, you might be a writer the other part of the time, you might be an accountant the other part of the time or whatever, but you had many strings to your bow. Eventually that term became known as a slashy (laughs) because you're, you know, model slash actor or something like that. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I immediately when I heard about this concept, I thought, yes, we don't have to just do one thing. We can do all of the things or many of the things that we're interested in. Well, we've had, we're going to have very long lives, um, mm. you know, it's so different. I think we still think in the 1950s, 60s sort of way where you worked for a company for 40 years and you got your retire. I mean, I don't even, retirement's not even a concept to me. Like, what? how do you feel about retirement? I feel like you must think about your retirement. I'm like, what? I don't, I just yeah. do stuff, aren't I, for Exactly, exactly. It's not even in my vocabulary at this stage. And who knows, maybe it will be in 20 years or something. But I can't imagine retiring because I love what I do. I remember going on holidays once with a friend of mine to the Central Coast, and it was for like a long weekend or like a few days or whatever. And I was um, answering some emails, you know, just doing some stuff on my computer. Now, bear in mind, she was reading her book. So it's not like she wanted me to go on a hike and I refused, right? She was doing her own thing on the balcony and I was you know, with my computer and she pulled the computer cord and the out of the wall and shut my computer. She said, she said, stop it. You're not meant to be working. And I'm like, but you, do you understand that you're depriving me of something that brings me immense joy? And it was a concept that she couldn't really understand. And I really felt that she was depriving me of something that brought me immense joy because I loved what I did, whatever it was that I was doing at the time. So, yeah, I I find the concept of retirement something that's a bit foreign at this stage because that means I'm stopping doing all the things that I love. Oh, my God. I love that you said that because I get that comment when I'm traveling and I tell this story about being in Hawaii and being by the pool and telling the ladies I was going to go and work and they were horrified. I literally went upstairs from the pool, like two floors, sat on the balcony and made calls. So I'm like, I'm making money whilst looking at this view. <laughs> like I was yeah, in position, two levels up and, and effortless, you know, like making calls and talking to people about travel and fundraising and fun stuff. But that was the work I was doing at the time. It was fun. And, you know, it's like, it, you don't think of it as, yeah, called at work because it was, that's what it was, but yeah. It wasn't. I really love that you say that or like, oh, I can't interrupt you. You're going on holiday. It's like, well, no, I, I travel a lot. And so, and as a writer, right, like when you're traveling or when you're in another place, you probably feel more inspired. And so yeah. you want to go and write about it or you want to go and talk about it or putting up, you know, for content creators now, it's like people go, like, get off your phone. It's like, this is work. I'm. This is work. And it's work I enjoy. I, I love that you've framed it like that. Yeah. I mean, that's the key word, right? It's work that you enjoy. And I guess we're lucky in that we have found work that we enjoy. And that's what I would love to encourage other people to do though, is to find the work that they are going to love. And they don't even, they don't see it as a chore because it brings them so much satisfaction or joy or happiness. Um, and, and I think that that's really important. And I'd love to encourage people to, to be able to go down that path and we'll start looking for that particular thing that's going to bring them so much fulfillment. 
I think it's an interesting thing too. We were talking last night about the entrepreneurial journey and about, I guess sometimes we do see this like you're off doing something lovely, you're getting to choose how you use your time. But there's also the other side of it as an entrepreneur and that you work incredibly hard and that you do work probably more hours sometimes than someone in a job. But and sometimes that is that is difficult and challenging stuff that you're dealing with if you're setting something up in a new business or if you were dealing with difficult, you know, clients were having an issue or something. So obviously it's not all roses, but then you are working longer hours because you're doing work that you enjoy. So there's sort of this funny thing of it, that, but, but mm. that you do have an element of entrepreneurship that is challenging or hard or long you know, yeah, for sure. That's not not as enjoyable too. Well, when it's long, I, I mean, there is no doubt. I'm not going to lie. I do. I would work longer hours than I would if I was in a single job, and that's also because I've kind of got many strings to my bow. Um, so I I spend time writing. I spend time mentoring. I spend time, you know, painting. I spend time designing and so on. So it, it, I do work longer hours, but it's energizing. It's definitely energizing for the vast majority. And while it's true that there are some bits that are a bit more mundane or a bit more um, draining, um, uh, it's about managing those things. I don't mind the occasional bits of mundane work because that's almost meditative for me. I actually welcome it from time to time. When it's draining, if it is... um, uh, constantly draining, then you have to relook at it. You actually have to think, is there a different way of doing this and find the way that isn't draining? Oh, and that's such a, that's the gift of that. You sort of have that wake up call and go, wait a minute, I'm the boss. I get to change these. Like, why are we doing it like this? Yes. I know. I, I was thinking when you were talking before, it's like a signpost of if it is starting to feel like, and I sometimes slip into the nine to five and it might be because of the environment in or the clients that I'm with and hankering for the weekend. And I'm like, if I'm hankering for the week, like what, yeah, what am I not enjoying about what I'm doing at the moment? Or, you know, what's the way that I'm doing it? That is such a good signpost of your direction. Mm. Yes. An IT guy once said to me, and his it was in reference to IT, but I find it's applicable to life. And he said, if it is tedious and draining, there's got to be a better way. Think of that as your mantra. And he, again, he was referring to IT. If there's anything that you're doing with that's tedious or draining, there is a better way. And so I started applying that to anything to do with IT or systems. And then I realized that it was so relevant for life as well and that is what I've I've always remembered so if there's something that's tedious and draining I just simply have to find the better way oh gosh that's just like I feel like it's the tagline of the episode or it's like we could just stop now I don't want to stop now I was like that's that's the gold right there I told you I was going to ask you a question first off the bat but I knew I'd just leap into talking to you because you're so fascinating um what does living a life you love look like I think fundamentally it's when you're living a life where you're doing things that you love and you're allowing yourself to explore your curiosity. I think that those two things are are really, really important because sometimes people say, I don't know what I love. I'm not passionate about anything. And that's fair enough. I've been there in the past. But to find those things, you need to explore your curiosity or give in to your curiosity. And what I mean by that is that there's always, there's usually something that's just niggling inside you that, oh, I wonder what that's like. 
or, um, or, or, you know, the things that you Google, let yourself Google. If you're watching a TV show and you're wondering, did that really happen? Find out. If you're thinking, gee, that's interesting. Like I, I watched um, <laughs> during the pandemic, I watched Blown Away, which was a reality TV show on it, glass yeah. blowing. <laughs> and I thought, well, what's that like? So I found a glass blowing teacher and, you know, started making a few things here and there. And sometimes, because but the thing is people overthink it. They go, oh, but if I do glass blowing, will I have the time? You know, it might be expensive. Don't think of those things because you might just do one or two um, classes of glass blowing or whatever and realize that's it. I've scratched that itch. It's over. And that's fine. But by the same token, you might do an activity where you go, oh, I want to know more. And then I want to know more and go further down a rabbit hole. But the only way you're going to find that rabbit hole is to explore different things, whatever they may be. They don't have to be artsy or crafty. You might want to learn Excel. You might want to learn how to edit video. You might want it whatever, right? So I think that um, doing what you love and allowing yourself to explore those little things that make you curious result in you having a very fulfilled life that you love. Hi, I'm Alicia Major. I love working with Emma so much. I've done everything that she has offered. Emma's How to Live and Love Your Brand course opened my eyes to the power of personal branding. Then I moved on to one-on-one coaching, attended multiple of her fabulous photo shoots, and then her rest and receive retreats have all been the best. Time out to rest, think about all those juicy possibilities, and then wait for you to receive that post-retreat goodness. It's fantastic. And when we were, so we were recently at the Content Bite Summit where you presented and it was such a joy that you were going to be there. And then you talked about this, these micro credentials and it was so wonderful. And I liked, um, you can explain for us the different learnings. And it is that thing where you're like, oh, I can't just learn a little bit of it. I've got to do a degree in it. People are like, oh, I want to do this. Okay, I'll go to a degree so that I can be, educated I've just finished doing the NLP coaching course and there were parts of it where I was like oh how am I going to like make this my thing all the time or I'm going to do it all the time and I had to keep reminding myself no you can just use it I could use it for my own interest I can use it parts with my clients and this morning I used one script with a coaching client and it was fantastic to get to use it but there were days like how am I going to use this one every day or how am I going to use this piece every day and it's like it was really nice. You was like, you, you may not, but in six months you'll go, oh, I remember that thing I learned. That's helpful now. So what are the different types of learners and, and learnings? Well, I think the mo- the important thing is that when people um, are thinking, maybe I need a change in my life, and often they think of their career as the, the change that might give them more satisfaction because that's what they do all day, is that they then it becomes this huge decision where they think they need to do further study, they need to do a whole degree, they need to, you know, pay a lot of money to to do a whole degree or, or whatever. Um, and the thing is, that's a big commitment. And, and unless you are absolutely have a real conviction to become a doctor or whatever it is that requires a lot of study, um, then I think that I, I've, I meet too many people who fall into the trap of... Um, of, of doing a three-year or however long, just a very long degree, and they kind of get into it. And after six months or a year, they go, this isn't for me, but 
oh, I've come this far, I need to finish. And they force themselves to finish and be miserable for the next couple of years or be not extremely happy and pay a lot of money for the next couple of years only because, oh, but then I've got the piece of paper. And then because they don't like it, they don't end up using it anyway. So now if you do love it, that's great. You should continue and that's that's that. But I do believe that learning in small chunks when you've got that, uh, you know, when you've just got that curiosity or when you've got that interest is a more advisable approach because then you don't have to suffer from that sunk cost fallacy where, oh, I've done a year, I need to now finish two years kind of thing. You've only done bite-sized things. And that might even start off as a two-hour thing or a one-day thing or a five-week um, course or something like that. It just needs to be small um, because sometimes also when we choose to do a longer degree, it's because we're really procrastinating the um, the w- procrastinating our actions and our decisions to make a change in our lives to think, oh, I can't make a change until I finish my degree. But really, you can make a change almost immediately. Um, and I think that an, a, a way to help facilitate that is to do very short courses. Yes, yes. And some people do go down the, tr- the track then of um, not starting because they're like, I need to have all of these things. And so once I've done these eight courses and finished all of yes. them, then I'm allowed to start as opposed to, and I almost, again, I'll just go back to doing this course. I almost had it this morning, like I've just finished the training can I really apply this right now? Can I really use this script on a client right now? And it was like, well, then if I don't do it now, when will I use it or when will I do it? And so I had to start doing it, even though I guess I have finished the course. But I think sometimes even a webinar or um, listening to somebody, you know, talk at a conference for 45 minutes about a topic can give you enough of like, oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of got me thinking and that's one thing that I can apply I don't need to go and do now a degree on strategy or a degree <laughs> on micro credentials or whatever. <laughs> go and like, I think that was such a, a freeing piece of information that you shared. It also demonstrated how extremely accomplished you are. We were all sitting there as you listed off some of the things that you've done and we're going, oh my goodness, because you are now doing this amazing. And and you said it, it won't always lead to a monetary thing it won't always lead to something but you know so the glass blowing didn't but the the art did and you're now selling pieces of art yeah yeah so yeah that's right because I decided to explore the glass blowing and and I that I scratched that itch and that was the end of that I'll still watch the show because it's a great show um, but then um I had something that it, something that always interested me because I used to travel a lot more um and do a lot of workshops and things around the country before everyone discovered Zoom. Um, and uh, I would love sitting in hotels and just look at the carpet and look at the upholstery and look at the walls and wonder how and who uh, designed these things. And I remember reading this article about whoever designed all of the upholstery and linen and and patterns at Raffles Hotel. Mm. and and I thought oh that's so cool like who does that 
And so I followed that. I went down that rabbit hole and eventually I did a course. In, I, I didn't know at the time it was called surface design, uh, but eventually I did a course in surface design and just kept on going down that rabbit hole. And now it's something that I do every single day. And um, I have fabric collections and wallpaper collections that are out and um, I'm waiting for a new delivery of my latest wallpaper collection at the moment. And, you know, so, but that would never have happened if I didn't let myself explore that that element of my curiosity so some things do end up uh becoming a big part of your life and some things don't I'm still absolutely glad that I did the glass blowing it was super fun <laughs> but I, I think as well that's such a great point of like it's not going back to that slushy thing it's I think sometimes people worry too oh now I'm doing this thing and I'm quite interested in this thing oh I have to let go of the Australian Writers' Centre. I have to let go no, of you don't have my to. painting. I have to let go of any um, teaching or mentoring. I now only can do surface design <laughs> work. And it's like, oh, no, I can still, you know, maybe it's 10% of my time or or 20% of my income. You know, and people who are in full-time jobs and want to continue being in full-time jobs can also have, and I hate the word, so I don't use it, I say a side business or a small business. You don't have to have a side, you know, side hustle is the word I don't like. You can have a small business as well as have a career and, and something you really enjoy and care about. And maybe that is the way to continue doing what you're doing is that, yeah, this is a great income. It is what I'm good at. I do. I don't want to lose it, but I can do this other thing that lights me up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, it, it's it, it's just about time management, to be honest, because if you do want to dedicate time to each of them, and if you do want each of them to um, to be income earning, they don't have to be if you don't want to, but I, I want mine to be income earning, um, If then it's about time management. So uh, and and being a bit strategic in where you spend your time and the decisions that you make. Maybe not at the start because at the start you're just finding your feet, right? You, you, you're just trying different things. But as you go along and you decide to take it more seriously and you want to incorporate it as part of your life, then, yeah, it's just about structuring your time appropriately. Oh, it was it was someone at the conference actually, um, Ed Gandia. I don't know if you stayed for that panel at the end, but he talked about you're at this conference, you're getting all these great ideas, and you're gonna go home. You want to do all the ideas. He was like, spend eighty to ninety percent of your time, or he said ninety percent of your time on what you do and what's working and whatever is income generating, and then allocate ten percent of your week to the new idea or the new direction and the new thing. He was like, I did it the other way, the 90%. And I was like, I tend to do shiny things. I'm going to go like all in on the shiny things and then don't have the stable things. I thought that was a great, I'm really enjoying, I hated statistics, but I'm really enjoying percentages at the moment. Uh, I think it, it was a really helpful way and it might not work out perfectly, but kind of going, oh yeah, if I want to work 25 hours a week or I am working 25 hours a week, can I dedicate two and a half hours a week? to a new idea or to my project. Yeah, it's that's really that's a really interesting comment because it's so true. I mean, a long time ago I had a shiny new project and um I spent all my time on it and really neglected my income earning um what I was doing in terms of generating an income and really like really neglected <laughs> I didn't have any money and I remember um uh, there was a three-week period where all I could afford to eat were canned, peeled tomatoes and onions for dinner, right? And then after three weeks, I'm like, how can you be this age 
and and be in this situation. That's ridiculous. This can never happen again, even though I absolutely love the 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 shiny new project, right? And it was a very interesting and worthy cause, um, what I was involved with. So I, I thought, okay, well, this has got to stop because at the time I was working dollars for hours. I mean, I had my own writing business, but I was working dollars for hours. And if I was not spending time on that, then I wasn't getting paid. So that's how I got into that dire situation. And I thought, okay, well, to to be in a situation where this does not happen, I have to change the model. I can't be dollars for hours or mm-hmm. I, maybe a, a portion of my stuff is dollars for hours, but a certain pro, pro, a portion needs to be where no matter the, the amount of t- whatever time I was spending, I, um, uh, I, I, I would get paid, you know, um, potentially, um, with passive income or potentially with, um, the ability for it to scale. And that's when I, um, changed the model so that if I taught a course, whether there were six people in it or 16 people in it, I was still putting in the same amount of effort, right? So yeah. essentially I could scale and that helped me not eat canned peeled tomatoes and onions. Because <laughs> <laughs> it does have to go to that point like where you go too far and, and only people can tell you, you could tell you the lesson, but you have to experience it for yourself. And that's a great turning point to have. But, you know, speaking of courses, uh, I have taken part in two courses at the Australian Writers' Centre, uh, which is a brilliant I mean, it was a physical building. I was there near there the other day in Kirribilli. It was a physical place. Now you offer them online so that everybody can access them. Uh, and I can still vividly remember like sitting in the classroom where I learned about travel writing and about, and I had done a PR and business degree, PR and communications, but we didn't get to get into the the specifics and to learn from somebody who is specifically in the industry. Um, and all I heard around that time was, uh, well, if you're going to learn about writing, you know, Valerie Koo, got to go to Valerie Koo and Australian <laughs> Writers Centre. And so I did. And it's so amazing that it's still around. And it's, I, my appetite is wet again to flex my writing. But, you know, I think it's so wonderful. You give people and you tell them a bit more about it, but that you give people that opportunity to potentially do some micro-credentials and explore that. Yeah, it's one of my greatest passions is to help people achieve their dreams. Um, But I realised a long time ago that I couldn't help somebody say, win a gold medal at the Olympics or, <laughs> or, or or coach them to climb Mount Everest or anything like that. But I could help them achieve their writing dreams. And I'm really, really passionate about that. And I absolutely love the fact that every single day, it's it, literally every day now, it used to be once a month and it used to be once a week. And now it's every single day we get um, emails and, and messages from people saying that they've got published or they've changed careers or they've got a book deal or, um, you know, they, they've, they've done the thing that they've always wanted to do that they thought that was never possible. And that brings me immense joy because I realised I could use my technical skill in writing and share that and empower people to achieve their writing goals. Um, and, yeah, in all different types of writing, and I absolutely, absolutely love it because I think that one of the things that um, I'm good at is 
understanding what needs to be in a course because Mm. a lot of people teach this is how I did it as Mm. in just they did it and that's just one person's experience and that is still very valid and very useful but they don't necessarily teach the other um, avenues that are possible that actually may be more suited to that particular person uh, to that particular student and um What's, I got an email today saying uh, uh, one of the things I love about your courses is that you leave no stone unturned mm. and, you know, you leave, the student leaves completely empowered um, to be able to do things they once thought were impossible. Um, and we give them a framework and a structure. I'm very logical. So it's even though I'm big into tapping tapping into the magical thing that we call our creativity, absolutely, absolutely believe in that and I absolutely believe in intuition. I also, I, I never do it at the expense of um, the fact that you can approach things in a step-by-step fashion, follow these steps. Yeah, I love that. I love that you take that approach because I think it's very, when you do learn something and um you know, it's kind of, I think the problem with some of the coaching industry or mentoring is like when people are like, you should do it this way or yeah, I did it this way. Therefore, this is the path. And then I think that's restricted me a little bit in the last few years. Like, oh, I've gone from one to the other, like trying to reinvent the wheel and figure it all out myself to learning from people and then trying to do it the way they do it and then abandoning my intuition or Mm. um, whereas you can actually have both. And it's kind of like a smorgasbord, like here are the options um, yeah, there is a formula and a structure to it and a sort of a accepted route, but maybe they're sort of parameters. And the course I did was travel writing and I also did uh, editing because I know that that's not my forte, but it was good to get the boundary, but I know that I'm never going to be an editor. It was great to get some more, some more information on it. Uh, and I can tell you I'm a success story. I'm a published travel writer. <laughs> and so the next level that I want to take is um, opinion writing so oh yeah very popular done a bit of it but I feel like I I've now got that that's where my appetite's been wet and I got to meet Viv who runs the course Um, but you know to I do want that technical and I do want that there is an accepted structure and there is something that editors want uh I want to be able to meet that and, and I guess build my confidence to go yeah I guess I can I know I've got the foundations of of an opinion piece so I can go confidently to pitch that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But it's, um, yeah, I I will tell the story too of how we, I met you in person. It was at the Melbourne Writers Group in Melbourne. Um, You come as a guest speaker and I had your book, which I will plug shamelessly. I love it, (laughs) the eight power stories you must tell for your business. Uh, the personal branding perspective, I think it's so important, but um, for any business. But anyway, you came along and you had written this, told this story once about, uh, I think it's even in the book maybe, about meeting Bon Jovi. <laughs> you said it in your bio, you're a tragic Bon Jovi fan, and I said to you, you are my Bon Jovi. And meeting you at Melbourne Writers Group after attending the Australian Writers Centre and wanting to be a writer and and getting into that world to meet you then. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you so much. That's just, uh, that's made my day, Emma. (laughs) (laughs) Just fangirling over here, but I'd like to then hear how your journey's um, progressed as well. And like, I just, you were a no-brainer for this because 
like you said, you show people other ways that they can do it and other ways that they could have a career. Um, it doesn't have to look, you know, and for, to be known as a writer and then to hear you stand up and speak about being an artist and fundamentally an entrepreneur, I think. <laughs> yes, I think that um, uh, that's something that's hardwired into me. <laughs> and so what's next? What, like, what's the next course or what, like, where, where will Valerie, where will we see you pop up next? Is there anything coming up? We you? just, I just finished the final week in a course that I um, have, am really passionate about that I created um, recently called personal st- personal storytelling for veterans and first responders um, because I'm really passionate about helping uh, people in that group be able to tell their stories and express what they've been going through but not only to themselves but to the people around them because I think that what they go through is really unique mm-hmm. um, and often they don't necessarily have the time or been given the um, framework to process what they go through. So um, we're just at the end of that course and I've loved hearing all their stories and I've loved their feedback on the course and how much they enjoy it. So that's been great. Um In a few weeks, I have 30 of my designs um, coming out in a national, um, in a major national, how do I describe them? A major national retailer. Um, I can't say it out loud yet until publicly until until it's out, but it's well, we a major. We have to follow you then, so we can <laughs> when the announcement happens. Yes, yes. So I'm at Valerie Koo for my painting, but I'm at Valerie Koo Design for my, um, you know, fabrics and wallpaper, uh, and of course. Um, you know, the Writer Centre is at writercentre.com.au. So I'll be doing a lot to, with that launch with the um, with the major retailer. Um, and, yeah, continuing with my painting, I, you know, I love it. I do it every single day. It brings me great joy. It's very meditative. Um, and I just like the combination of things that, you uh, that um that's going on in my life (laughs) amazing and you do also run another instagram account which i think is probably the most important your your cats have an instagram (laughs) do they they each have like Uh, so i'm really passionate about my cat rocky (laughs) i love him to pieces yes he has his own instagram it's only little he only just started it. it's called productive rocky (laughs) because of course it's just like his mum. he's really productive (laughs) and no doubt he'll be more successful than any of us It's infuriating, but the, uh, the pets and the adorable they, they they do the best. So oh yeah, he's just doing it for fun. He's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's just his it's his side hustle. I mean, yeah, you know, he's busy catting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's never a dull moment with you, Valerie. And it was such a privilege to get to see you and see you speak. And I'm so thankful for your perspective. Uh, it's truly inspiring um, for me. So thank you. Oh, you're the inspiration to me, Emma, just taking everything and putting everything into practice. I love it. Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you for listening, lovely one. I hope this has inspired you to dream big and start creating a life you love today. 
If you love what you're hearing, don't forget to follow and rate on Spotify and rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. It helps other awesome people to find this podcast and get motivated and inspired as well. Want to stay connected? Come and join the Live A Life You Love group on Facebook or connect with me on Instagram, emmalovell.au. The same as my website, but all the details are in the show notes, lovely. I'll see you next episode for more inspiration, motivation, and freedom seeking. Now go out there and live a life you love.